Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this series on Send North America. This is a great series opening up a great, wonderful blessing that God is giving and doing with young adults and in the process doing a great job for churches. We're going to talk about the ministry called Send North America, which is for young adults. It changes lives, and they in turn change churches, and that in turn brings revival. We know it because we've seen it, and it's pretty exciting. So let's get started. In this series, I, I just want to begin by saying that it is based on John 20, 21, where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, the word send is very important in the Bible. When it was the Roman Catholic Church in the very beginning in Rome, before there were Protestants, the Romans, of course, spoke Latin, and so they translated the Bible into Latin, and the Latin word for send is missio, M-I-S-S-I-O, and the word missio is where we get the word missionary. So send is equipping missionaries in North America and beyond for that mission work of the kingdom. And so we're looking for young adults, 18 to 29, that God has raised up and shown some interest in learning more, but may not be that committed to go to a Bible college or a seminary for years, but can be extremely great help for the local church. And after we started this young adult ministry and we've seen tremendous results, we have adults that are begging for some of the mission training. And so we have developed a ministry that can be used in a church using a DVD series called The Damascus Road, where adults in the church can learn to be sent people or to be called sent missionaries. And so in this episode, episode number one, We're going to take a focus on the whole idea of equipping these young adults, and we're going to begin with the end in mind. And so I just want to share with you a couple of observations. SEND North America is now in its sixth year. There have been six graduations of this wonderful ministry with young adults from all over the United States and a couple from beyond. It is an amazing thing to see these young adults just blossom and just become all that God wants them to become. It's great. It's a great ministry because it begins with them understanding more about themselves, their spiritual gifts, their temperament, a lot of surveys that they take, self-discovery concerning themselves, and then they begin to learn from all these other people who teach and share and their experiences hands-on. It's just amazing to see what happens, and the results are phenomenal. And uh, the parents, when we have the graduation, the parents show up after these 10 months in SEND, and they are like so appreciative of those of us who uh, operate SEND and uh, look over and, and guide SEND. It's just unbelievable. I've never seen people so on fire for what's happened with their children and their grandchildren. Their whole families are like, I just can't believe that my uh, son, my daughter, has changed so much in 10 months. And, uh, of course, it's all very positive. Well, I know this from a personal experience because our son, John, was one who uh, first experienced this experience. And he's the one who said we ought to start it here in the United States. The short story of John, and in another series, we're going to get John on here and talk a little bit about this. But the short version from the perspective of a parent is something like this. Um, So 
I learned that in England, there was a great movement going on, kind of resurgence of Christianity. And since at Church Doctor Ministries, we've always been interested in praying for and working toward God bringing a revival in America. We just thought that it was important maybe to go check it out. A friend of mine, pastor in Arizona, recommended that I go see what was going on over in England. I did. And among other things that I saw in this wonderful movement was a training of young adults. Well, while I was there, God spoke to me, literally, that doesn't happen very often, but it happened, and said, you need to bring your son over here soon. Well, our son John was just graduated from high school, and uh, he was already enrolled at a college and was going to start football camp for that college on August 1st, so I had maybe a month and a half, two months window of time, but I took him over there, and uh, he met the guy, uh, the pastor over there that was the pastor of the church that had this ministry. Anyway, fast forward four years later, and John graduated with a degree in criminal justice, and the one thing he learned is criminal justice wasn't for him, and he didn't know what he was going to do with his life. I asked him to pray about it, and the very next day, he got his first and only ever email from the pastor in England who said, why don't you come and do the young adult training that we have here in England? And he did, and my wife and I, of course, couldn't see him uh, very often because he was in England, but on Skype, we would maybe every two weeks spend time on Skype with him, and we watched our son absolutely blossom into the greatest dream come true for every Christian parent. Now, John's story has uh, been put into a book called The J-Dog Journey, Where is Life? That book's available on Amazon. And so uh, that's the story if you want to read about the background that uh, led to SEND ministry here in North America. Well, let's talk about this episode more specifically. I want to begin by saying that you have to understand that every movement in history has had a parallel youth movement. While there's a, a movement, and we know from the history books, the great leaders that were part of all these movements, a lot of the energy of these movements comes from young adults in every era. The New Testament church, for example, if you read your New Testament, a lot of those people were pretty young. The Reformation, there were all ages involved, like in every movement, but there were some young, energetic people who really developed the Reformation in several different areas, not only of Europe, but then also bringing it to the U.S. In the rise of communism, there were a lot of young people involved in that. In the fall of communism, there was a huge number of young adults that were involved even in that. When the Berlin Wall came down, there were young people demonstrating that that wasn't right to divide the city of Berlin and families and all the rest. And so right after the communism unraveled under Khrushchev, and they loosened up all these restrictions, even for evangelical Christianity. What happened is they had a number of young adults that were kind of evangelistic oriented, were on the streets preaching, which was illegal under communism. They were in jail, and they released thousands of these young adults. And for several years, our ministry was asked to go over there and train in like six-day intensive conferences all day long. These young adults who couldn't find an evangelical seminary or Bible college to go to to be trained. And so they were all planting churches and starting ministries, and Christianity was flourishing. And it was all these young adults that we were training. And so we'd go to Moscow, and in a great, big, huge auditorium, there would be thousands of these young adults that we would train year after year, each time new young adults. 
We even did one off in Kazakhstan, the far end of Russia, the former Soviet Union, over by the border of China. And so we did one over there for uh, both these young adults and a lot of the missionaries in the various Muslim areas of that part of the world. So all of these movements throughout history have had some young people. Let's focus in a little bit more on what we know about the beginning of Christianity. How old do you think Mary was and Joseph? How about the disciples? How about, you know, Peter? What about some of these other characters in the New Testament? How old do you think Timothy was? Titus. You know, if you look through there, you'll find some adults that have great wisdom, and then that is connected then with this youthful energy that only young people have and can bring to the table for a great movement. And this is really an important key to Christianity and to the Christian movement here in North America. There were older people, you know, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He was, after Damascus Road, became a a mission Christian, a missionary Christian. uh, uh, And after his Damascus Road experience, we know that he for years studied as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as he says. And so he was someone probably of middle aged or later middle aged, and yet he worked with a lot of young people. He brought the wisdom, they brought the energy. There were others in the New Testament as well, and they were people that we don't know their ages, but they were probably younger. There were also older people, married couples that were involved, overseeing house churches. Even in the Old Testament, you've got old Abraham and Sarah giving birth, a very important dimension of the growth of uh, God's kingdom and the history of the Scripture. Yeah, they were old at the time and had this young child. But then you also have David, a young guy, going up against Goliath, a story to to beat all stories. And you have this young man who is being shaped to be king. So you have this combination throughout history. And uh, what's happened today is we have a different scenario in many of the churches in the United States and in North America. Our churches are aging, many of them. Usually they're the denominational churches, but there are some non-denominational. There are some exceptions in both denominational and non-denominational sectors. There are some churches that have young people and are teeming with young people, and so they have the wisdom of the older and the energy of the younger. But a lot of the churches, the majority by far, simply are churches that have lost the young people. Older people have hung on to styles and approaches, and it just hasn't worked. Some of those young people that have left the church have gone to some of the younger, young adult movements that have been around for decades and decades. There are movements like Campus Crusade for Christ and YWAM, Youth with a Mission, Campus Life, and many others. You could go on and on about these youth movements. But those are parachurch ministries, and they're not really connected or designed for the church, even though there's tremendous value for churches when these young adults get into a church. They bring all the values and mission training and excitement that they've learned in these peer church organizations. Well, we're at a time in history in the U.S. where we need to develop what we call adaptive leadership in a changing world. We're going to have to adapt the methods that we use in the church, or we're just going to run out of business. And there are many churches that have already proven that, and they are closed. And so you have the old school religion, which is religion, not spirituality, and that's the way you do stuff, the habits and the forms that you've adopted. 
and they have been around for so long, they look and feel old, the younger people. And then you have the other side of the extreme, spiritual renewal, which many of us and an increasing number of people in churches are praying for vigorously, a spiritual renewal in the churches that will bring, by God's blessing, his action, a revival in the land. And so we need adaptive leadership. We need to think outside of the box. We need to think outside of the church box. And so there's an old saying called methods are many, principles are few, methods change, but principles never do. And so this is a big deal. Now, here's the point, and there are denominations and other groups that are wrestling with this in a wrong way and a right way. In the wrong way, there are those that are taking stances to try to sync up with the culture in order to try to look more attractive to unbelievers in our nation. And so they are moving away from some biblical principles, away from the Bible. That's the wrong changes to make. That's absolute proven disaster. And then you have other people that are saying, no, we need to keep those principles, but change our methods. And those are people who want to change the delivery system of the eternal truths that never change. There's another saying that we use, and it goes like this. Change your principles away from the Bible, and you will surely fail as a church. Your church will die. Fail to change your methods, and your church will surely die. Sometimes those are way too easily confused. You need to think about that. Let's take a look for a minute where the church is growing and the involvement of young adults trained in kind of a boot camp style approach. Where's Christianity growing today? Well, many parts of Africa parts of Asia, South America. And what you see there, and I've been there and I know that, there are a lot of young people involved. Just one example. I was asked to speak a couple of times at a conference, teach several days, I think it was like 10 days, at a, a conference in Kenya, in northern Kenya, north of Nairobi. And the leader of that movement gathered uh, pastors and church leaders from, I think it was 12 different countries in that northeastern area of the continent of Africa. And of course, they had to have interpreters. The leader was Pastor Francis Machuria, and uh, Pastor Francis had interpreters. And just to give you an example, of course, he had to have interpreters that knew English, but also had to translate into the languages of the people that were there. When I did a main session with the whole group, which I did several of those, uh, one every day at least, I had Paul as an interpreter. But Paul had an understudy by the name of Robert. He was a little bit younger, but Robert had an understudy, and his name was Johnson, and he was even younger. And then Johnson had an understudy whose name was Hezram, and Hezram was about 10 years old. And so these people were discipling people all the way down to a 10-year-old as future interpreters, as a ministry that they were called to. And in every area of ministry, they were discipling right down to the younger people. It was absolutely phenomenal. Now, move over to China. China is the underground house church movement, mainly young people under communism, under the danger and the threat of being dismantled, not the official church of any kind, and not literally under the ground, but in house churches and privacy and secrecy, and could be very well likely is the fastest growing movement of Christianity in the world today, even under that very strict hand of the government. Take South Korea, particularly in the Seoul area, the house church movement there, 
I've been there. I've seen it. I've been in some of those meetings. Younger people, they go to a big church. There are some of the biggest churches in the history of Christianity are there. And yet they also reach out and grow through these house churches. And a lot of these people are just really young. In Argentina, where there's been a Pentecostal revival. In Brazil, in the Amazon, where we have worked with a Presbyterian pastor in Manaus, Brazil, which is right on the edge or in a portion of the Amazon jungle. But it's a big city. You can fly in there. You can't drive to it because of all the rivers and jungle. There are no roads to that big city. There are traffic jams there, but all the cars and the trucks have been brought in there by boat on the river. But it's a metropolis. It's an old barren city. But you look at this uh, movement. Here's this Presbyterian pastor in this big city, an urban area, reaching out all over the tributaries of the Amazon River by boat, moving up into these villages and equipping and training young elders to lead churches and the movement in these villages that are so remote, can't get there by car, just only by river, remote people in their own languages, starting these little churches with uh, these young adults. And we were there training them several years in a row. And so we see the senior guy, the pastor from the Presbyterian Church in Manaus, he's got the wisdom. He's got some other people that have the wisdom and longtime Christians. But training up young people, you see the same combination of what God is using. Well, in England, we've been traveling to England for the last 18 years, taking a group of no more than 14 people from the U.S. or Canada, and we have made friends with the leaders of an amazing movement there. And it's just an incredible story. England is two stories. The majority of dying churches and then reborn churches with wall-to-wall young people. It is an absolute great place to study. It's a classroom for the future of America. That's why we take church leaders there. Well, today in England, about 4% of the people according to the census, say that they go to a church. You can see a number of boarded-up cathedrals that have been there for hundreds of years and no people, no leadership. They can't get pastors, so they just board them up. They're not going to tear them down. They, they have walls that are four feet thick. Then you have this other movement of hundreds of churches, not thousands yet, but hundreds of churches and growing rapidly that are teeming with people, many young people, wall-to-wall young people, Many young leaders, also older leaders, who have adapted to a new reality of how to reach people in the 21st century. And so we go to these several cities and we visit great churches like the Ivy Church in Manchester, England with Anthony Delaney. We also visit a parachurch organization, a mission organization called the Message Trust, led by awesome guy Andy Hawthorne and how these young adults move into the cities in the worst areas, literally move in there as Christians. And some of them are trained doctors and lawyers and other professions, but they move there so that they can relate to the people, and they reach those people for Christ. And these are younger people. They're not the older people that do this. In Sheffield, Mick Woodhead, where actually we came in contact with the pattern for SEND North America, which they call FORM, F-O-R-M, for spiritual formation. It's just incredible what happens there. Wall-to-wall young people, I mean, people on staff that are young, generate young people year after year and send them off to ministry. 
If you go to Holy Trinity Brompton in London with Nikki Gumbel, you see young people everywhere in that church, even though there are many, many older people, lifelong Christians in their 60s and even 70s that bring the wisdom, but matched with the energy of the young people. Well, here in America, back to the U.S., you know, David Kinnaman wrote a book called You Lost Me about a whole generation of young people that we have lost for the church. You know, when we consult a church, we interview people one-on-one in confidential interviews. Sometimes I'll interview a couple that are married to each other, and by their age, I can tell they have adult children. I ask, do your children go to church? And then they get this look on their face, no. Did they grow up in this church? Yes. But do they go to church now? No. And you can see even sometimes tears in their eyes because it just tears them up. We have lost that generation, just like David Kinnaman wrote in the book, You Lost Me. Well, there are two challenges that we face that are kind of connected to this big thing. And that is, they seem foreign at first, but they really fit in with the movement of Send North America. And first of all, there's a shortage of pastors being trained. Seminaries and Bible colleges that train pastors can't beg people to come and go through that education and go in debt and then get a job that doesn't pay much. Just recently, the American Association of Theological Schools put out a report, having done some research across the board of schools that train pastors, and they call it a crisis. And it is a crisis, even with online coursework. They just can't get people to enroll and go through four years of school, not at the rate that we're going to need pastors. Why? Because the baby boomer pastors are retiring and dying by the thousands every year. And so we don't have the replacements. We're going to have such a shortage of pastors. We're going to have to get back to the New Testament (laughs) by necessity. Oh, God has a way of bringing light out of darkness. Secondly, a second related issue is that people have discovered that young adults across the board in America are not prepared for college as they used to be. Now, there are a lot of theories about this, but what's happened is numerous universities across the country put their money together and hired Harvard University School of Education to do a research project. It was a big project, and they did work all over the place because What universities are finding is young adults coming into university out of high school aren't ready, and they don't know much about themselves, and they aren't very good at social skills. Now, the theory is this is because they've spent so much time on screens through the internet, not interacting in a productive way with other adults or people older than them young adults as well. And they all don't know much about themselves. And so they change majors two or three times, which is one of the most expensive things you can do in life, is get a four-year degree with six years of education and be paying it off until you're 50. And they don't have the social skills to interact even on a work basis. And so a lot of these people that come out of university with a degree can't get a job because or keep a job because of their social skills or lack of them. So back to the British model, 10-month boot camp. That's basically what it is. That's what we learned from form. And so we developed it here where they read the Bible through in 10 months. They live in community by gender. They are in this pilgrimage together in Sen, North America. They have 40 teachers, all volunteers, 
all experts in their areas. They have hands-on ministry every week, and they also go on a mission excursion once every month. They go to jails with people who do jail ministry. They work with the homeless, with people that do homeless ministry. They work with Muslim outreach, with people that know how to do that, that are former Muslims, now Christians. And they get experience, and in 10 months, they just blossom. And so the movement begins. And the development of SEND, which really stands for servants, that's the teachers, the leaders, equipping new disciples, S-E-N-D, Servants Equipping New Disciples. It's a call to action. It's an increasing movement of young adults recruited and coming into this SEND experience for 10 months. It changes their life forever. We got the idea from my son, John, who was home at Christmas break one year. And while he was over there doing this, and he said, man, somebody ought to do something like form over here in America. And so we started SEND. We got tremendous help from St. Tom's in Sheffield and the form people there who helped us to start this. We worked on developing it for three years. And now, as we share this podcast, we are just at the end of the sixth year and looking toward the fall of 2018 as we start the seventh year in September. Well, in our next episode, we're going to have a chat with the leader of Church Doctor Ministries, which is the ministry that started Send North America. We're going to talk with Tracy, our leader, and she'll join me and we will discuss the bigger scope of Send North America. Between now and then, pray for young adults, pray for the ones you know, consider asking them to go online to sendnorthamerica.com and scope it out or listen to this podcast. We'll see you next time as we continue to look at this amazing young adult movement. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you like this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. To learn more about Send, visit www.sendnorthamerica.com. Also, check out Kent's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.